Our scripture reading this morning is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 23, verses 44 to 56, the death and burial of Jesus. Hear these words of scripture. It was now about noon, and the darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon, for the sun stopped shining, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. When he had said this, he breathed his last. The centurion, seeing what had happened, praised God and said, Surely this was a righteous man. When all the people who had gathered to witness this sight saw what took place, they beat their breasts and went away. But all who knew him, including the women who had followed him from Galilee, stood at a distance, watching these things. Now there came a man named Joseph, a member of the council, a good and upright man, who had not consented to their decision and action. He came from the Judean town of Arimathea, and he himself was waiting for the kingdom of God. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body. Then he took it down, wrapped it in linen cloth, and placed it in a tomb cut in the rock, one in which no one had yet been laid. It was preparation day, and the Sabbath was about to begin. The women who had come with Jesus from Galilee followed Joseph and saw the tomb and how his body was laid in it. Then they went home, and they prepared spices and perfumes, but they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Linda. Let's pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing and joyful to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So we are in this worship series, Faces of Our Faith. And our intention with this series is to take a look at some of the ordinary people in scripture. The people who go about their day-to-day -day lives, and then suddenly they are confronted with a situation in which they're called to live out their faith. These people are often overlooked, and we are pausing to take a moment and to dig deep into their worlds and discover what they have to teach us. And today is an excellent example of that. The scripture that Linda read for us is a scripture that we read every single year on Good Friday the Friday before Easter. And when we read it, we focus on Jesus. He's the main character. And we focus on Jesus because, well, what he does in this scripture is kind of a big deal, right? And in this scripture, we see we meet Joseph of Arimathea. And what he does is pretty remarkable, too. Joseph was a member of the council, the Sanhedrin. They were the group of Jewish leaders 
who judged cases based on Jewish laws. And when Jesus was arrested, they were the ones who accused Jesus of blasphemy. And then they were the ones who took Jesus to Pontius Pilate to be executed. The Sanhedrin were the the leaders who were afraid that if Jesus continued in his ministry, he was going to cause major problems with the Roman authorities. And then the Roman authorities would take it out on the Jewish people. So the Sanhedrin decided to sacrifice Jesus to save the Jewish people. It's a little ironic, don't you think? Because God uses their actions for a bigger and a better purpose. Even already, I've said several times, the Sanhedrin decided. And so often we assume, or it's easy to assume, that the vote the Sanhedrin made was unanimous. Because we're not given a number. It was this many people for, this many people against. They don't say that in the scripture. We, but in today's scripture, we see, we're told that Joseph was a member of the council. He was a good and an upright man who had not consented to their decision and their action. Joseph was a member of the Sanhedrin, yes, and he was a follower of Jesus. It says he was waiting for the kingdom of God. So why didn't Joseph stop Jesus' execution? He was on the council. He disagreed with the majority. Why did he fail to convince his fellow council members? Did he even try to convince his fellow council members? In the Gospel of John, we read, Now Joseph was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly because he feared the Jewish leaders. We don't know why Joseph wasn't able or didn't stop Jesus' execution. Scripture doesn't narrate every single moment. Maybe he did try, but the majority was against him. He was the minority in this 70 or so person council. Have you ever been in that type of situation? That's a, re- that's a rhetorical question because the answer is yes. We've all been in that sort of situation where everyone around us is, is doing something and we know it's not right. But either our own fear and self-doubt get in the way or the sheer number of those who oppose us stop us from doing what is right, what we know to be right in our hearts and our souls. Sometimes we speak the truth and it falls on closed ears and closed hearts. Other times we go to speak the truth and it, and it gets caught in our throat, unable to get past that fear of what might happen if I disagree in this moment or the doubt that maybe I'm going to be the only one and that I'm going to be the ostracized one. And so we allow that to stop us in our tracks, and we give up. We get frustrated. We get sad, angry, and and we might feel hopeless in that moment. But Joseph of Arimathea shows us in today's scripture that, that when God convicts us of the truth, God doesn't just give us one chance to do what is right, 
to make that truth known. God gives us multiple different chances. After Jesus dies, Joseph goes to Pilate. Pilate himself was not convinced Jesus was guilty. And Joseph gets permission to bury Jesus' body. Now, normally the Romans, they didn't allow people who were executed to receive a decent burial. But Pilate makes an exception in this case. Because Joseph was a member of the council who had brought Jesus to Pilate. And Pilate assumes that the, the leaders, they, they got what they wanted. Jesus had been crucified. And so they weren't going to cause any more of a scene. It would have been so easy for, for Joseph to give up once Jesus was crucified. He was in this position to help. He was on the council. He could have done something, but he wasn't able to for whatever reason. And Jesus was gone. But instead of giving up, Joseph allows the emotions that he, I'm sure he was feeling, his anger, his sadness, that, that rage of injustice that was inside him, to fuel him with determination as he takes Jesus' body down from the cross. He wraps him in fine linen and then places him in a tomb that no one had been laid in before. It was actually Joseph's own tomb that he lays Jesus in. He lays Jesus to rest before the Sabbath begins. And in doing that, he gives Jesus a proper Jewish burial. Now imagine, look at this, this image on the screen. Imagine how heavy Jesus' body would have been. And the cross wasn't right. Like if we read this scripture straight through, it sounds like, okay, he just, he took him off the cross. Yes, that's heavy. And then he just laid, he wrapped him up and laid him in a tomb. No, he had to walk with this body. He had to carry Jesus away to be buried, wrap him in the cloths, and then placing him lovingly to rest in the tomb. Imagine as he's doing this, what Joseph is feeling. That raging sense of injustice that, of the moment, that the tears running down his face, the anger strengthening him to carry his friend, whom he knew to be God's son, the Savior, carry him with dignity and compassion to his resting place. We don't know. Maybe there were other people who helped carry, helped Joseph carry Jesus' body. But whether he did it on his own or he did it with others that stepped in to help, I imagine that each person there moved in this silent sadness, resolute, determined to do what was right, giving Jesus that honor that he deserved, even after such a dishonor the cross. In these acts, Joseph is able to play this vital role of a dissenter, picking up the pieces of the wrongs of the group. And as he does this, he forwards God's plan. Jesus didn't stay on the cross. He didn't stay in a tomb either. 
In three days, God was able to show the full display of God's power and authority. And Joseph participated in that plan. How weighty of a task is that to participate, to forward God's plan in the world? And yet Joseph was not an extraordinary person. He didn't have extraordinary superhuman strength. He didn't have any superhuman powers and authority in the world. He was an ordinary person. Yes, he was part of the council, but even that in the moment didn't get him too far. He was an ordinary man, and in some sense he, <laughs> he failed the first time, but he didn't give up. He allowed God to use him, knowing that God had prepared him for such a moment as that. And just the same, God prepares us too. We remember that God prepares us. God gives us what we need. We're empowered by the Spirit, but we have to say yes. We have to step out in faith. So the question is, will we be ready once we maybe fail the first time or the second time or the 30th time? And the world goes on, do we give up? Or do we step out in faith, knowing that God is calling us to stand up, to make God's truth known in the world, this world that so desperately needs it? Let's pray. God, we know that you have called people throughout time for such a moment as this. You have prepared each and every one of us, O oh God, for what is before us. God, I pray that you will guide us. You will help us to see those places where the injustice is right in front of our eyes and the ways that our gifts, our graces, our passions will meet those moments and that you might transform us, transform this world through our actions. Give us the courage and strength to say, here I am, O Lord, use me. Amen. And I invite the choir to come forward and to sing for us the hymn, Here I Am, Lord.
Thank you, choir. I love that song. That's one of my favorite hymns. This morning, we have quite a few prayers that have come in. First, I want to recognize that um, our altar, altar flowers um, are in honor of Bill Long's birthday. That was just a few days ago, so we do want to wish Bill a happy birthday. Yes, we can clap. We're allowed. <laughs> And then also I want to share that Nancy um, continues to improve after her fall and has been thrilled with the cards and emails that have been sent to her. Um, she is a bit better um, each day than the last day. And Sue and Jeff asked for prayers for their brother-in-law, Jeff, who is having testing for heart issues. Pat asked for prayers over her mom for God's will to be done. She's ready to go home in God's time. Allison asked for prayers for her coworker, Rich, whose daughter is having health issues. And Shelly asked for prayers for Billy, who has cancer, which was caused by Agent Orange, and since a surgery is a paraplegic. And so prayers for Billy, as well as for Penny, who is his caregiver and his wife. And Taylor asked for prayers for Frank, who prepares for surgery tomorrow. And prayers for someone who is um, experiencing a relapse of alcoholism. And Linda asked for prayers for Steve, who's struggling after the loss of his mother. And Bill asked for prayers for Connie. Uh, she is on her fourth bout of cancer. And to end on a positive note, Elizabeth has the joy that Michael is officially retired. Where is he? Where did he go? Did he run? Oh, there you are. Congratulations. We know that God hears our prayers and is with us. And so let us go to our Lord now. Oh God, today we are reminded of your power and authority, that you are able to overcome any barriers that we might put in your way, barriers of doubt, of fear, even death itself. And we are reminded of your truth, a truth that you freely offer to us to set us free, to set this world free. We are reminded of your grace that shapes our future, a good future for all, and of your love, your unconditional love that fills our lives and lifts us up. Oh God, these gifts draw us ever deeper into your creative presence. These gifts form us into a people who carry your life-giving future in our world. So open our eyes to your liberating truth. Open our, receive these gifts and transform us. By your Holy Spirit, O oh God, empower us, form us in a passion for your purposes, a passion that overcomes our self-centeredness, a passion that makes us big with generosity for you. 
O God, then grant us your spirit, a spirit of wisdom, so that we might see the work you are already doing, so that we can join in with glad and grateful hearts and be the blessing that you have summoned us to be. O God, we ask these things in the name of Jesus, whose death and resurrection has made us a people of hope. And so now, with confidence, we lift our voices together, praying the prayer that Jesus taught so long ago. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who've trespassed against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. The last thing we do each and every Sunday is to remind ourselves that our work does not end here, but our work just begins now. And we go into the world to share our love and our hope with others. And so a few ways that you can do that and join in with the work that we are doing here at BUMC is first, we do have our Names with Faces event that is coming up. That's next Sunday. That's right. Next Sunday is February. That's weird. But that's true. Uh, So after, (laughs) after this worship service next Sunday, we will have our Names with Faces event. And it's It's just a fun time to gather together. We're going to have a baked potato bar because that sounds fun. And everybody can join in and you can join us for food or you can join us after food. You don't have to eat. And then we will um, do sort of like a speed dating, get to know you, get to know your neighbor, have fun together event. Um, And then also part of that is that if you like uh, planning events like that or different you know, fellowship, joyful gathering events, you can join the joyful gathering team. Oh, look at that. You guys did not laugh enough at that cheesiness. Come on. Okay, so, but if you like planning events, if you like I don't, just getting people together to have fun and get to know one another, that's all the joyful gathering team does. And so you can fill out um, your, now it's green today, You can fill out your card. There's also a form online. Checking the box and turning it in does not mean that you automatically sign yourself up. It means you're interested, okay? So it's not a commitment, all right? It's just saying you're interested so that we can talk to you about it and see if it fits your gifts, all right? You guys don't actually believe me. I can see it on your faces. But it's the truth, I promise. And then also, if you like, I don't know, going to the store or making some little goodies and stuff, and you like reading instructions on how to make coffee in the morning, particularly on Sundays, then you can join the Coffee Hour team. Look at that. And then we also, another team that is very similar to coffee and to the Joyful Gathering team, because it's all about fellowship and caring for others and loving on people, is the funeral team. And so that's a team that it's so, um, I don't know, it just, it fills you with being part and being here, being present 
for somebody's time of need, whether it is simply helping people to guide them around our church building if we have the worship service here, or it's helping to serve a meal that is delivered so that people have, um, can have a gathering space downstairs. If you're afraid to say the wrong thing, then just stay in the kitchen. And you can, you can wash the dishes and do things like that. You don't ha- but it's good because they know it's a ministry of presence. And they know that God loves them simply by you being there. So if you're interested in that, you can check that box on this and you can turn it in. And really, so all of this is, there's one thing I want to admit. I am really, really, really bad, and Russ can attest to this, with asking, he's like, <laughs> he's like, I'm not saying anything. I'm really bad at asking for help, but I'm asking for help for us as a church, because this is our church. We are a nonprofit volunteer led organization and it takes all of us to be in ministry together and so i'm asking for your help and for you to step out in faith and simply say oh that sounds kind of interesting all right i'll check it out and just see so there is my confession and i hope that you i trust that you'll respond lovingly also this thing is jam-packed with stuff this is our good word for february you should read it. It tells you all about our new leadership team and all of the things coming up, especially Lent, because that's in February. Heavens to Betsy. So let us receive our benediction so that we can go and do God's good work in the world. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you peace. Go in peace and not and pieces. Amen. Let's stand and sing. We have stickers like that if you want one.
you so much for worshiping with us this morning. We hope you have a great week. We gotta, we're letting the acolytes do their thing, so we gotta, you got to wait. You got to wait. You can't leave yet. Okay. You guys ready? One, two, three, four.